This might seem like a weird title, The Danger in Demanding God to Work. And, and what I mean by that, I think I need to preface it that, is that there is nothing wrong with asking God to work in specific ways in our lives. But the problem becomes is when we almost demand it, of when we pray for God to act in a certain way, and He decides to act in another way. And if you've ever had that happen in your life, maybe a prayer go unanswered, or if it is answered, it's answered in a way that, that you did not appreciate. But I'm willing to bet, as if you look back on those types of situations in your past, that although God didn't answer prayers like you wanted them to, it was always for your best. But there is nothing more frustrating than having someone or something not act the way that you expected. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I've been working on my parents' house for a little bit when I get a chance to go up there and, and I'll, you know, kind of get the house ready to do whatever we're going to do with it. And so my parents, they loved these like water filter things. Like they had a, a little picture that had a water filter bit built into it. And they had a water filter on their, uh, the spigot on their, their sink in the kitchen. Any of y'all got one of those? Okay. Maybe, maybe not. Well, I'll tell you what, they had one. And I don't know how old that filter was, but I, you know, me, I like to push buttons. And so I saw a little button on the side of it, and I said, hmm, I wonder what that does. I pushed it, nothing happened. I said, oh, well, must be nothing. So I went on about doing some other things, and then sure enough, uh, later on that day, I went to the sink, and I was, I was rinsing out a, a cup or something like that. I cut on the sink, whoosh, water everywhere. And I was like, you know, it's one of those things to where when I cut it on, the water was coming out. And you ever been so shocked you don't know what to do? You're just like, oh, my goodness, the water's coming out. And I'm thinking, well, shut it off. But I didn't have enough sense to do that. So finally I shut it off after about what seemed like a million gallons had come out. And uh, after a few towels and a few uh, cleanups, it was fine. But the thing was, was that, uh, by the way, that's no longer on the sink anymore, Okay. <laughs> Um, the straight pipe, you can't go wrong with that. And so, uh, it, it was frustrating because I'd used that sink before a million times, but that time I turned it on, it didn't act the way I expected it to act. And you know what? Sometimes life is like that. Sometimes we go through our lives doing the same things, the same routines. Most of us in here have some type of routine. On Mondays we do this, Tuesdays we do this. Wednesdays we do this. And so we have these different schedules for the most part. But life happens, right? And sometimes that schedule gets interrupted. But our lives are a combination of our experiences, of, of where we plan, and even those things that we don't plan on. So the thing that I've learned, and I think you probably have learned too, there is no such thing as a perfect life. There is no such thing as... The, the average life. Life is good. Life is bad. Life is like a roller coaster. There are times where you're scared as you're going up the hill. And there's times when you're exhilarated, when you're going fast down the hill. And there are times where you feel like you want to scream. There are times where you feel like you're going to be sick. But at the end, that's life, is it not? As you, as you look back on your life and you look at your life ahead, isn't it great to know that as a Christian... It's not humdrum, 
day after day experiences. We all have good and bad things. But the thing is, is that in those hills and in those valleys, those are those ups and downs. That is where we learn about God. We learn more about God and we also learn about ourselves. I think I might be having a dead battery. So um, we will, if that does it again, I'll just use the, the podium, okay? That means I'll have to stay in one place. I don't know if I can do that. But anyway, we have a life question I want you to kind of frame up the study with this morning. And the life question is this. Do I follow God for who he is or only what he does for me through Jesus Christ? I think this is a healthy question. The healthy question of, you know, we've all had those moments to where we follow God because we, we feel compelled to because he draws us to him. But are our motives pure? Are we following God because we're demanding him to act in a certain way in our lives? And then when he doesn't act the way that we want, we decide, well, we're done with him for a while. You know, we've got to be careful about doing that. And as we pick up our story today in John we are, we are exiting the Samaritan woman, and we are beginning to see what happens after that encounter. So uh, we're going to be in John chapter 4, starting with verse 43. And what we see here is that we do not take Jesus for granted. We do not need to demand things from God. We do not need to demand things from Jesus Christ. But most of all, we do not need to take Jesus for granted. What does that mean? Well, starting in verse 43, I'm reading out of the Holman Christian Standard. That's the version that's in your Bible, in your pew there. If you didn't bring one, feel free to open it up and read along. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> After two days, he left there for Galilee. Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When they entered Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him because they had seen everything he did in Jerusalem during the festival, for they had gone to the festival. What we see here in this first part of the passage is that Jesus was severely unappreciated. Jesus goes home to Galilee, Cana of Galilee. That's where he's from. You ever heard the term, a prophet is without honor in his own, in his own town? That's where this comes from. It's kind of like, you know, when you, when you go away for a while and when you come back to some people, you're still going to be that little kid. And then to others, you're going to be totally different. But Jesus is coming back to Canaan where he grew up. And Jesus had just left Samaria where many came to believe in him through the testimony of a woman that didn't have a very good reputation. And as you look back at the, the account of this Samaritan woman, what miracles did he do, did he perform with the Samaritan woman for all those people to get saved? Nothing. No miracles. They accepted Jesus Christ as their Messiah, and they believed in him upon the change that they saw in the Samaritan woman's life, and then the words that he used to teach them while he was there. They did not appreciate him and come to him for what he did for them. But they did. They came to him because they were genuinely drawn to him. 
Many believed in him not for what he did, but what he said. And that he taught the fact that they could be forgiven. And we see in verse 45 that people wanted Jesus for the wrong reasons. Jesus, yes, he was welcomed into Galilee, not for who he was, but for what he did. You see, the Galileans, they welcomed him because they saw everything that he did in Jerusalem. His acts, his his miracles were, were following him. I mean, he was a celebrity at this point. And Jesus was welcomed into Galilee. But here's the difference. Jesus was welcomed not as a prophet, but a miracle worker. Jesus was not welcomed into Galilee as a prophet, but as a miracle worker. They were wanting the benefits. They were wanting what he could do, but they didn't necessarily want him. All of us at some point can remember having friends that wanted to hang around us while we were giving them things. I remember, especially as teenagers, when you finally get your driver's license in a car, you will have friends come out of the woodwork to be your friends. Oh, hey, take me to school. I'll give you gas money. And that money never shows up, right? But, but we've all been the victim. I, I think, biblically, if you think of the prodigal son, the prodigal son got his inheritance early. He went out and he partied and he had all of the friends in the world. But once the money dried up, the friends went away. So whether you're the prodigal or whether you have got people that have been surrounding you because of what you can give to them. And, I, and unfortunately, maybe some of you have been that person that did hang around somebody because you got something out of it. If you can identify with that situation on either side of that scenario, I want you to understand that's what Jesus was going through here. They, they believed that he was a miracle worker, but they just wanted to see the show. The Galileans, they just wanted to see him work. Many saw Jesus do miracles throughout his ministry. But folks, we see Jesus at work in our culture today. All we have to do is take a moment to read beyond our Facebook feed. Okay? If we can look beyond our Twitter feed or, or our newspaper, and if we can <clears throat> take a moment to look around and see the world, maybe not in our immediate vicinity, but God is still at work in this world. And He is going crazy overseas. Missionaries are seeing things happen, the supernatural happen in ways that would just make you shudder to see the spiritual warfare that's going on in other places. But you know what? We see Jesus at work in our world today because many are coming to know him. How do we see Jesus working? Well, number one, the sun rose this morning. You have breath in your lungs. You have one more day to love someone. One more day to love God. One more day to make a difference. Folks, do not miss the opportunity of today. Don't live in the past. Don't search for the future. But live in today. Jesus Christ is on His throne. Jesus Christ died so that you can have eternal life. And Jesus Christ is coming again. One day the sky is going to split and He's not going to be coming as a suffering servant carrying a cross. He's going to be a warrior on a white horse and a sword. And that's what we have to look forward to. 
But he is at work today and now. And so do not focus only on the works of Jesus. To do so is to miss the heart of Jesus. Again, the title of this is Watch Out of the Dangers of Demanding from God. Folks, I have been guilty of this, and maybe you have too, of saying, God, this is how I want it to play out. And it doesn't play out that way. And so to get upset about that and to go off on a tangent about that and to doubt God about that is to totally miss the heart of Jesus. Has Jesus ever done anything in your life to spite you? Has God ever done anything in your life just to watch you squirm for his enjoyment? That is not his character. That is not who he is. That is not a savior that came and died for your sin and my sin. Everything that God does in your life, everything that Jesus did for you in his life, everything that happens to you as a believer is for your good, not necessarily what you want, but for your good. And the only way to remember that is to stay close to his heart. There are times when my parents were raising me and they would make a decision. I would say, why? And they would say, because I'm your parent. And you know the argument's over after that. And I didn't see why at the time. But you don't understand. I want to spend the night at that friend's house. Well, I don't know that friend. You're not spending the night. But I want to. I don't care. I'm your parent. And there, there are times they told me no. I know you all think I was spoiled because I'm the only child. But, but I was told no once or twice, I think. Now, I was told that often, and um, it was always for the better. You know what? The older I got, the smarter my parents became. There's another sermon in that by itself. But do not miss the fact here that Jesus is the Son of God. The Galileans lost sight of this. But I don't know if you've probably seen the show Undercover Boss, or at least understand the concept of the show, is that the boss will dress up, in some kind of costume and go work with his employees and find out who's doing good and who's doing bad. And then at the end of it, you cannot wait because they say, I'm actually your boss. And they're like, oh, my goodness. And some people get a lot of money and a lot of help. And then there's also some that just they lose a job because they were idiots and, and start with. But it's that big reveal of, of understanding who he is. And, and folks, I wish the Galileans could have seen, and because these were Jesus's people that he grew up with, these were a lot of religious Jews that saw this kid, and, and they did not appreciate who he was. Jesus was a victim of mistaken identity. What do I mean by that? Well, the Galileans encountered the Messiah, but they were too blind for his glory. You see, to many of the Galileans, Jesus was that boy that lost his father at a young age and became a carpenter. He probably built some furniture for him. He might have helped with a house. He might have been that kid that was taking, do the best that he can to take care of his mama. That's the kid he was. There was nothing, the Bible says that there was nothing that was really extraordinary about him. He was just another guy. To many, Jesus was a boy who lost his father at a young age. He grew up to be a local carpenter, but he was a boy that lived a sinless life. And he lived it out in front of them, and it wasn't even appreciated. Here's the thing. 
The Galileans had God incarnate in front of them, and they didn't even know it. And if you don't know what I mean by that, by incarnate, God put on skin and walked this earth so that people would believe in him. Jesus was 100% human, but Jesus was 100% God. Folks, I would hate to know that there was a treasure for me that I totally missed because I was too consumed with myself. The Galileans missed it. And people still miss it today. Think of the religious people. They grow up in church. They're around church. They're active in church. But Jesus is simply the hero in a strand of stories that they've heard all of their lives. But there is no proof of belief in their actions. Jesus is just a means to get what they want. Some people can get attention because they're the bigwigs in a church. Some people can assert authority over other people because a church gives it to them. And there are some people that, that believe that they have power and that they have some type of routine. And folks, if someone is, is, is like that, that they, they get their kicks off of power plays in the church, where is that in the scriptures? How can someone who is a, a Bible-believing Christian try to manipulate other people? Well, it's because they're religious. They're not believers. How about the curious person? Someone who is open to Jesus being a great teacher and he's a great help to those who need it, but they're unsure if they can give Jesus their life because giving my life and control of my life to something else, someone else, is unheard of these days. And then we have to be careful because misguided expectations will cause you and I to miss the opportunities for Jesus to work in our lives. Here's the bottom line. Jesus knows the true motives for why we serve him. Jesus knows why you're here. And Jesus knows what you need. And then Jesus is prepared to give you exactly what you need. The second thing we see is that Jesus works through your faith and obedience. We see in verses 46 through 50, he says, Then he went again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and pleaded with him, to come down and heal his son, for he was about to die. Jesus told him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Sir, the official said to him, come down before my boy dies. Go, Jesus told him, your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. We see here that Jesus returns to build upon a seed that he has already sown. What does that mean? This is Jesus' second miracle in Galilee. The first miracle was the first one that we learned about as we studied John, was the miracle of the water being turned to the wine at the wedding feast back in John chapter 2. And we know from that story is that still you would think that everybody saw that 
And they, they would say, well, that's the guy that turned water into wine. So there's something different about him. But as we go back and, and just refresh on that story real quick, everybody didn't know that Jesus did that. Who knew that Jesus turned the water into wine? Only the servants. Because they were the ones that saw, it, saw, the, saw the change. The wedding guests, the wedding party, the host, all they knew is that was the best wine that they've ever tasted. But those servants were the ones that caught that blessing. Jesus wanted his own people to believe in him very much. And he came back to do more signs and wonders so that they may believe. He knew that they needed to see more. So he was going to show him. Folks, isn't it great to know this? Isn't it great to know that Jesus will do great works in your life to get your attention? Jesus will do great works in your life to get your attention. Sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. You think about it in good things. Jesus blesses us in our daily lives if we just take time to recognize it. The trap is to take the good blessings that he gives us and take credit for them ourselves. That's the, that's the trap when Jesus blesses us with good things. Now, in bad things, so some of the greatest moments of Jesus working in our life will be in the valleys of our lives rather than the mountaintop. But you see, our bad days make us eager for Jesus to work in our lives. I say this verse all the time. I want to share it with you again because it's such a powerful verse. But look at, at Matthew five forty five. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What we see here is we see a nobleman. He was probably part of, of Herod's detail. He was a very wise man. He was a very powerful man, and he was having a very bad day. What I want you to see by this, by the nobleman, <coughs> is that rich and powerful people have bad days too. That when it comes to life, and when it comes to the, the reign of life on our lives, we all have good days, and we all have bad days. But this nobleman... Christians and non-Christians are not guaranteed an easier road. As a matter of fact, as a believer, you're guaranteed a narrower road. As a believer, you are promised a cross and then a crown. Not a crown before a cross. It does cost us something. And it was bad that the noble son was so sick. But would anything less have caused this rich nobleman to reach out to Jesus. We don't know. But I know what? I know this. Is that not only was that man, that nobleman, in the worst position of his entire life, watching his son slip out of, out of life, but he was also right in the path of Jesus to work in his life. We see that that nobleman, he walked 20 miles to find Jesus. When the nobleman's life was falling apart, Jesus was on his way to fix it. As the nobleman was losing everything, Jesus was on his way to fix it. Listen to me, my friend. Is that if you feel like the world has fallen apart, 
If you've had those moments where you felt like there was no hope, Jesus is on the way whether you see Him or not. He is on the way. Our world may not know that Jesus is the true Messiah, but they do know that He is the source of healing and strength. Does your belief in Jesus bring action? For example, the nobleman, he risked his his position. He risked his authority. He risked his well-being. He was risking everything to save his son. Will you pursue Jesus? Will you pray? Will you read his word? Will you serve him? Will you share about him with others? You see, our demands of God fall short when we realize that Jesus is our only hope. That's what the nobleman was crying out for, folks. He wasn't trying to make a deal with God. He wasn't trying to figure out his theological stance. He was just saying, Jesus, you are my only hope. Have you been there? Where you say, I don't understand what's going on, but Jesus, you are my only hope. As a nobleman, he had access to the best medical care that was available during that day. He had doctors. He had money. He had everything, but nothing was fixing his son. Jesus was his only hope. Think about your life and the things that you've tried to fix. You can throw money at it. You can throw substances at it. You can throw relationships at it. You can throw bad attitudes at it. But it doesn't matter what you throw at it sometimes. Only Jesus will be your hope. No amount of money or influence would heal his son. Everything that he had worked for was powerless in his greatest time of need. I'll tell you what, as, as a pastor, I get, I get a lot of perspective on things. And, and uh, now that uh, I'm going through trying to, to take care of my parents' stuff, and I've seen many of y'all have to do the same thing, there's a lot of houses filled with stuff you thought you ought to have. There's a lot of things in your house right now that you spend a lot of time trying to accumulate. And in one day, it won't really matter. The only thing that will matter is what you've done with Jesus. And the nobleman is seeing that. And then I love the thing where it says in verse 50, we do not demand of Jesus. We just take him at his word. In verse 50, Jesus told him, Go, your son will live. And the, the man just believed what he said. Jesus didn't do some type of chant. He didn't have to be in the proximity of the son. He just said, your boy's healed. Here's something you need to remember. We can learn a valuable lesson here. Jesus does not bend to our will. Our will bends to him. It doesn't matter what that nobleman thought. It doesn't matter what the Galileans thought. <coughs> Jesus spoke, and it was up to the nobleman to believe or not. Jesus does not bend to our will. Our will bends to him. If you are demanding God bend to your will, you will miss the blessings of having him in your life. And here's the thing. If I think about times where I have wanted a prayer to be answered in a certain way, it is always Worse than when I look at how God answered it. Be careful when you demand of God to work and He doesn't work 
in a way that you expect. Because it's not about him bending to us, but us bending to him. And the third thing that we see in our passage in verses 51 through 54 is that Jesus not only works in your immediate, but forever as well. Jesus not only works in your immediate, but your forever as well. Read verses 51 through 54. He says, while he was still going down, his slaves met him saying his boy was alive. He asked them at what time he got better. Yesterday at seven in the morning, the fever left him. They answered in verse 53, the refrigerator light comes on. The father realized this was the very hour in which Jesus had told him, your son will live. Then he believed himself that he himself believed along with his household. This, therefore, was the second sign Jesus performed after he came from Judea to Galilee. The nobleman's faith was rewarded by taking Jesus at his word. By taking Jesus at his word. As soon as Jesus said, your son will live, the boy was healed. And folks, I want to tell you something. Jesus' words still heal today. If you were to look in John 4.14, it says, but so Jesus is saying, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. The nobleman's son was saved physically, but we see in verse 53 that eventually his entire household believed. How do we know that? John 6:47 says, I assure you, anyone who believes has eternal life. If you believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, it does not say you might be saved. It says you will be saved. That's the truth. And your faith and your belief and your story will impact those around you. Many of you are here today because of the faith of someone else. Because of the ministry of someone else. Because of seeing God work in their life. So let me ask you, who is going to benefit from your faith? I'll tell you where you can start. Look to your left and look to your right. Those people will benefit from your faith. Look up and down your family tree. Those people will benefit from your faith. The nobleman's son was saved physically, but we see that his entire household believed. There are some of you in here that are Christians because you had a godly mom, a godly dad, a godly grandparent, or somebody that taught you about faith, and at some point you decided to take it for yourself. And we have parents in here, we have grandparents in here. Understand, like the nobleman did, your faith can Bless your family. It's, it's, no, it's no guarantee because there are some kids and families that are raised in church and the kids have to go on their own way. Again, the prodigal son is a good example of that. But he came home. 
your faith matters to those around you. And last but not least, we see that Jesus' miracles between the water and the wine and the nobleman's son, they prove two things. And here's what it proves. Jesus' miracles prove his authority over time and over space. His authority over time and over space. What does that mean? Well, when he turned the water into wine, I I don't make wine, but I, I, I understand enough to know it takes time for it to ferment and that the, the older wines sometimes taste better is what they tell me, I guess. So Jesus didn't need any of that. And it was the best wine they ever tasted. Jesus is not bound by time. And we see here that the nobleman, he had walked for 20 minutes, I mean 20 miles, not knowing how long it took. Space meant nothing to Jesus. My friend, Jesus can minister to you Anytime, anywhere. There is no time fragment too big and no space so wide that he can't reach you. Do not limit God today, folks, by demanding him to act in a certain way. Do not limit God or Jesus to your timetable or your geography. Just believe. And ask him to work. And he will. In his time and his way. Let's pray. <coughs> Dear Heavenly Father, my prayer is for those this morning that are demanding for you to work in a certain way, which has brought frustration and doubt into their lives. Lord, I pray that they ask God, I pray that they ask you to work in their lives and be open to do that however you choose. Because that's where you want us, Lord, to be able to say whenever, wherever, and however. May we learn from the nobleman this morning that you, Jesus, are our only hope. May we be willing to do what it takes. To follow him. May we have the faith to trust in what he says. And may we have the courage to act. If there is anyone here this morning, Lord, that is lost and that is demanding you to work in their timetable and they realize it's not about them, but it's about you. And you have traveled far and wide to reach them this morning. If there is one person here that needs to know you as their Savior and Lord, because you are our only hope. And they need to to know beyond a shadow of a doubt if they were to die today, they would spend eternity with you in heaven, with eternal life. If that's you today, it is my prayer that, that you would come forward at this time of invitation and that you would Talk to me and we will pray right now. You can know beyond a shadow of doubt. Why in the world would I want you to come in front of all these people and do that? Because you will never find a group of people that will be so eager to encourage you and to stand behind you to make this decision. Or if there's someone here that just needs prayer, they can come to the altars. Maybe someone wants to join this church and be a part of what you're doing here. Whatever it may be, Lord, however they want to respond, Lord, 
May they do it at this time, Lord. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?